I think that's it for announcements. We are in the Gospel of Luke. If you have Bibles with you, we've got a lot to cover today. I know some of you are going to look at this passage and go, really, there's a lot to talk about when Jesus was 12 years of age? Yes, so we're going to dive in. I'm not going to give a lot of preamble to start. I will suggest to you that we have over here, by the way, we have some of these for kids. If you're an older and you are not in Sunday school today and you'd like one of these to fill in, it's actually about the boy Jesus in the temple. So it's actually about that, which is really cool. And we also have some sermon note uh, handouts that you can make some notes for today, and we have some Bibles if you want to be able to follow along. I will put things on screen, but it's really important to follow on in your Bible. So, Luke chapter 2, verses 40 to 52. I'm going to read the passage, pray again, and then we're going to dive in. Let me read it for us. Speaking of Jesus, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know? that I must be in my father's house. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this chance to be here today, this opportunity. It's it's great. I thank you, Lord, for these men and women again. I, I just thank you that we get to come here, uh, get to open your word, read it, and, and hear from you, Holy Spirit, not from me, but from you. So I, I pray that you would use the thoughts and, and words that you've given to me, and, and even at this late date, time, change them if necessary, Holy Spirit, so that we would understand why Luke wrote this, why this story is important in the life of Jesus, and why it's so important for us today. And I pray this in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So, question, <laughs> do you remember when you were 12, <laughs> 12 years of age? <clears throat> I mean, I know most of you, I'm looking out and I'm seeing some of you, and for some of you, that's a long time ago, right? It's a long, long time ago, and for some of you, it's, well, not, not that long ago, and some of you in this room actually have or are very close to have children in your home who are 12 years of age. I want you to know we're praying for you, right? Uh, we, 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 you do. And uh, so I was thinking about it this week, and, and I, because I, you know, I wanted to put some context into this and think about being 12, and I thought back to when I was 12 years of age, and uh, that's, that's a little while ago, and, and, but at that time, at 12 years of age, I was in grade 7 at a Catholic uh, school in North Toronto called Blessed Sacrament, you know, raised Catholic, uh, came to Jesus really when I was 23 years of age. Um, it, it wasn't a very memorable year as I thought about it in grade 7 because in, in high school then or going into high school at that, grade 8 was the big year. That was the year that you graduated from grade school, you know, so we were looking forward to that, right? Grade 7 was really not much going on. But I do remember a few things. 
It, it was the years for me where it was all about me and my best buddies, right? There were seven or eight of us. We hung around all, to, all the time together. Most of the time when we were in school, it was all about at recess playing ball hockey and teasing girls. Like, that, that, was, that was the extent of what we did at 12 years of age while we were in school. That's who we were and what we were all about. It really wasn't until grade eight that we started to notice the finer features of some of these, these gals, right? And I won't go into that too much, but... It really was interesting. Another thing that I remember was that at that age, I was reading comics. I can't believe today so many people, I mean, you go to the Marvel movies, right? Like a, and they explode the comics into these ridiculous movies, which are amazing. I, don't get me wrong. But I was into comics, right? I was into Batman, Superman. The comics were amazing. And I was into this guy, right? This guy was amazing. Right? And I remember as a little boy going, one day, one day, I'm going to have an Apple Watch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seriously, when I was that age, I was, I was looking at that, and I was thinking, that's amazing. And, and I, I had faith that one day it would happen. I was at Sushi Zen the other day, you know, uh, having sushi, obviously, and I got to the counter, and I went up, I like to do this, you know, Apple Pay. And the gal behind the counter, she's looking at me, and she's going, I don't get that. And I said to her, I said, Dick Tracy. And she had this blank look. I mean, what are we doing? She's like 35 years. Well, how are we raising our kids today? I don't understand. And it, I mean, it was like I had said burrito to her at a sushi bar, right? She was just, I don't know. So it, it, that was a big deal to me was this guy in comics. And then it was also in grade seven. I remember this very clearly. My mom, she decided to introduce me to books that didn't have pictures with bubbles above the people, right? She bought me the set of the Hardy Boys, or the first six that had come out, right? And other detectives, right? This is where I was at when I was that age. But also, it was interesting, I remember, that it was at that age, at 12 years of age, at Blessed Sacrament School, that I was preparing in my 12th year for my confirmation, which would happen next year when I was 13, I had also just become ordained as an altar boy. And in order to become ordained, I had to learn the Latin Mass at 12 years of age. It was interesting. And, and somehow I graduated and they ordained me. I, I, I still find that amazing. So listen, I, I don't highlight my 12th year to bring attention to myself. I don't do that. Honestly, I don't. I mean, the key, I think, is this. I think if we approach a text like this today... Um, and especially the way our world today thinks of 12-year-old boys, i got to tell you, things have changed. It wasn't really that much better when I was 12 years of age, but things have changed. I think today, and, and it's partly because of the fact that in our world and culture, maybe 20, 30 years ago, people thought, you know, we, we, need, to spend, we need to really encourage girls, young women, to, to be more than just housewives and so on, and that's a good thing. Please don't hear me wrong, but things have changed for boys. We don't really look at 12-year-old boys today as intellectually too sharp or as mature. That's unfortunate. I think that's terribly unfortunate. And so if I highlight this so that if we come to this passage today with the idea that, well, the only reason why Jesus was like this when he was 12 years of age is because, well, come on, he was the Son of God. You know, he's an exception to the rule. I want to show you today that that's not true. That's not true at all. He was a 12-year-old mature boy, young Jewish boy, who was expected to become a man at 13 years of age because he was raised that way. So that's why I highlight that. It's, it's really important that we see that. So here's your outline for today. It's pretty simple. Message title, Jesus Knows. 
That's our message title. I hope to show you two things. Jesus knows who He is, why He came, and what He came to do. So before we dive into these two points, let me highlight a few things that will help us see how important, remarkable, really, this passage of Scripture is. You'll remember from chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Luke is writing this letter to his good friend Theophilus, right, who's also a Greek Gentile who's come to faith in Christ. Placed his, he's a skeptic like Luke, and he's placed his faith in Jesus. And, and he's, he's, he's wanting to give Luke, as our screen title says, certainty about the things that he's been taught about who Jesus is. And so he, he's, he's organized this whole gospel as an orderly account so that, that Luke and Theophilus will have certainty about these things. And so he's answering questions like, I mean, you can imagine that Theophilus is, and he are having normal interactive conversations, and Theophilus is going, so, so listen, look, I've heard a lot about, you know, Jesus and miracles and Sermon on the Mount and all these amazing things that he did, but what was he like as a boy? I mean, are you trying to tell me that he was perfect and sinless as a little boy? And so what must have happened, must have happened, is Luke would have these questions or these interactions with Theophilus, and then Luke would have to go and find the answers, because that's what he says. I, I talked to eyewitnesses, I went to see people, so who would he go and talk to about this story? Mary. Joseph was no longer around, and he would go and track down Mary, and you can just imagine the conversation that he might have had with Mary, right? So Mary, <clears throat> just wondering, what was Jesus like as a boy? I haven't heard anything. I mean, the, the apostles preach, they teach, they, you know, like I've, re, I've read Mark's gospel because it's out already, but what do we know about Jesus? And I can just imagine Mary looking at him going, there are a lot of things that I could tell you about Jesus when he was a little boy, but how about I do this? Why don't I tell you this one story of when he was 12 years of age? Because I think this is one that really stands out from all the rest. So again, this is one of those stories that only Luke records, just like we saw last week. He's the only one to record this, so he's got a purpose behind it. It's, it's important that he records this. And, and so we need to, as we go through this passage today, we need to do what we did last week. We need to keep asking ourselves the question, why? <laughs> why did Luke choose this story? Why did this question come up? What does the Holy Spirit want us to know about who Jesus is and what He came to do? That's the point. And so, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I actually bookended, I actually uh, read the last verse, that, the verse that we ended with last week, and, and I read that as the beginning of this week, and I realized as I was studying that it's actually, Luke has done it again. He's, he's kind of bookended this particular story today with verse 40 and verse 42. They're important to see that because he's really, he's bookending something that again teaches us a little bit, not just about Jesus, but about how he was raised by Mary and Joseph. That's significant. So look at verse 40 again. It says this, and the child, now notice he's called a child here, grew. So he grew physically. This, is, this verse is speaking about the time from when Jesus is eight days old, when he's taken to the temple to be dedicated and circumcised and all those rituals at that time until the passage we're in today when he's 12 years of age. So he grew physically, we see. He, he grew in, uh, he became strong, literally in the Greek that means strong spiritually. So he grew spiritually and he was filled with wisdom. And so he grew intellectually and the favor of God was upon him. And then verse 52, which we'll end with today, the end of this passage, says this. He's no longer a child. 
And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That's it from the age that he's 12 until he's 30. We have no other texts. There are no other writings about who Jesus is and what he's been doing between the ages of 12 and 30. So point number one, Jesus knows. He knows who he is. Verses 41 and 42 say this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So last week, we spent a fair bit of time uh, learning about the faithfulness of Jesus' parents. I'm sure some of you went away last week going, okay, that was the, the law, Judaism, you know, that's a lot, right, that they went through and they're keeping all these traditions and things. And, but I think it's impossible to overestimate and the Holy Spirit, I think, wants us to see this, their love for God, Mary and Joseph, this poor couple. I mean, Mary, at, at this point, is, is probably only 25, 26 years of age when he's 12 years of age, right? They're so faithful, their faithfulness and their diligence in raising Jesus. And again, I think it's possible to think, I mean, being God, he raised himself, right? He was probably the easiest child of all time, don't you think? I mean, that, no, probably not. Probably they had to spend a fair bit of time. Their spiritual faithfulness to, look, the law of Moses, the law of God, and their traditions, feasts and festivals, is something that the Holy Spirit through Luke, I believe sincerely, wants you and I to see. He wants us to see that. So here today we learn that Mary and Joseph went to the feast of the Passover. How often? How often did they go to the feast of the Passover? Anybody? Every year for how long? 12 years, yeah, up until this point in time forever, probably, but up until this point in time for 12 years, they've been going. Now, listen, this is no easy feat. I went on Google Maps the other day, right, and I plugged in Nazareth, and I plugged in, you know, Jerusalem, and guess what? Today, you know, the total distance today is 150 kilometers, and today Google Maps will tell you to walk that distance would take 31 hours. So let's go back 2017 years, and quite likely the roads were not that good right? They were less safe, right? And they're going by foot. And so, listen, it's a three-day journey, typically, to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And, and this is the extent of their faithfulness. Honestly, like I thought of that, and I'm sorry, but I have to just say it. Some of us find it challenging to get out of bed and get here every Sunday morning in our warm and comfy cars, don't we? I mean, to get to work in the snow and the rain. <laughs> I mean, dear. Okay, I'll stop that now. We find it challenging. I think we do. So then we read that when Jesus was 12, they brought him along with them. Now, we don't know for sure whether or not he'd come any years before. Possibly. Probably unlikely, but we know for sure that in his 12th year, he's brought along. So, so why? why? Why, when he's 12, is he brought along? Well, it's important. Uh, this is the year, it's, it, we're told in the Scriptures, uh, another custom is to be uphold. The twelfth year is the final year for a Jewish boy of preparation. Uh, before he enters into full participation in the religious life of the synagogue and his community, of his faith community. Uh, up until that time, his parents, especially from tradition, we would know, especially his father would be the one uh, teaching him the commandments of the law, teaching him everything about the Torah and the Old Testament of God and the law in particular. 
But by the end of the 12th year, the child is to go through a ceremony uh, which he formally takes on the yoke of the law, and we know it today in the Hebrew as a bar mitzvah, which literally means becoming a son of commandment. And so this was the year Jesus chose. Look at this. This is the year at 12 years of age that he's brought up to be shown what Passover week looks like, to, sh- to see the other bar mitzvahs, the other boys who are being taken through their bar mitzvah at that age, at 13, and he's going to see what it's all done. But it's also the year that Jesus chooses to stay behind. That's significant. He's aware. And he stays behind. Verses 43 to 45 then tell us, And when the feast was ended, when the feast was ended, as they were returning back to Nazareth, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. You think? (laughs) Right? So Passover week has ended. The the wonderful festival, all the food, all that time, all that learning, all those ceremonies, it's ended. It's over. And the family, which included, would have included a whole entourage. It would have included aunts and uncles and grandparents and, and, and moms and dads and kids and the whole bit, and probably servants and maybe other friends from Nazareth, part of their faith community. And it would be wise in those days to travel in a large entourage because of safety, Probably be equally wise today if you were walking from Nazareth to Jerusalem, which is interesting. And so they, they make this trip on the way home. So a couple of things I want to point out to you. The first, I think it's unusual, but um, Luke now enters into calling him the boy Jesus. He's no longer the child. He's now the boy Jesus, given his name, which is significant. He stays behind. So a question must be asked. It's got to be asked. Commentators have been asking it for decades, centuries probably. Um, The question is, was Jesus aware that they were leaving and he simply chose to be disobedient? Come on. If you're a parent, you're like, yeah, probably, right? Most likely. Well, no. There is again, as I I think Luke wants us to see, much more going on here. Much more going on. So let's think about this. When they were leaving... They must have essentially been thinking two things. They must have. But as parents, they must have been thinking two things. One, Jesus was or would be with someone else in their entourage, in their group, an aunt and uncle, grandparents, friends, the other kids that were around his age. You know, he must have been with them because it could be 30, 40, 50 people traveling together. And so that, that must have been one of the things that they thought. But secondly, it might also suggest that they'd never had a problem like this before with Jesus. Assuming, thinking, looking into the picture, I mean, they they probably thought, well, Jesus knows that we're all leaving. He's going to be with us because we've never had this problem with him before, you know, like when we're leaving, you know, some other place. So this leaves us with probably only one possible conclusion as to why this is happening. Jesus wasn't worried either. At 12 years of age, he probably knew they were leaving, but he wasn't terribly worried. Maybe he's thinking like some 12-year-old boys like I did when I was 12, which was foolish, thinking that I knew how to get home from Young and Dundas to Young and Lawrence (laughs) and freaked my parents out because it wasn't safe even back in those days. But he stays behind. He chose to stay behind. So let's see why. The search begins. 
For you parents here, uh, any, uh, let me ask you this, any anxiety beginning to build? I mean, as soon as you hear this, right? Like, like you're, you're days out, you, you, you know, you start, it's nighttime, and, you know, dinner has been eaten, you haven't seen Jesus, you ask everybody else, where, where is he, where, where's my child, right? You know, has anybody ever lost a child at a mall? I lost two. Actually, Janice lost them. No, actually, no, just kidding. Okay. I mean, panic can set in, right? So you see the picture here. Mary and Joseph start asking around, right? Hey, hey, is Jesus in your tent? Is, have you seen him today? Has he been walking with you guys? He's not? So they're a day out. Now they've got to take a whole day to get back, and they get into Jerusalem, and they spend a whole day in Jerusalem looking for Jesus, right? And they go around and around, and there's no Jesus. They search around their camp, their family, no Jesus. After a restful sleep, yeah, right. They spend another day getting back there. They get in Jerusalem, no Jesus. <laughs> and then we read, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus knows. Jesus knows who he is. Right here. Right here we see it. Let's piece it together. He's 12. And we've read in verse 40, he's beginning, he's been growing, been over 12 years, growing spiritually, mentally, and physically. His spiritual and mental growth was coming from where? Well, I've already alluded to it. It should actually be the question, from whom? From his father. And his mother, who've been pouring into him and teaching him for 12 years, preparing him in many, many ways, but especially for this time in his life, especially for this trip. Jesus knows why he's in Jerusalem this week. He has to know. This then begs the question, what were Joseph and Mary teaching him for those 12 years? Think about it. What would they have been teaching Jesus for those 12 years about himself? I mean, Luke has already told us that they had been told who he is, right? You remember when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, right, and, and, and told her he will be, he is the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. Mary was told that. Joseph was told essentially the same thing. The shepherds come to his birth uh, when he's born. They come and they have been told by a, a multitude of angels, but also Gabriel, that he is a Savior who is Christ the Lord, they know who he is. What are they going to do? Hide that from him for 12 years? Think about this. Mary and Joseph must have told Jesus whom they knew he was. Don't you think? They must have. I mean, remember this as well. Technically, Jesus is adopted. Joseph is not his real father. He's his stepfather. So Joseph has essentially adopted Jesus and so just like today when children are adopted at very young ages, the, the families, the parents who adopt kids as babies or as, as toddlers at least, they, they make a plan. They go, like, at some point in time, we have to tell our son, our daughter, who they are. They're going to find out, and they need to hear that from us. They need to be prepared for that from us. That's what most parents, I think, today would do. So I want to suggest to you Jesus knows. He knows full well. But here's the interesting part. He's 12. He's there. He knows. 
but he has questions. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, he's got questions. So his parents find him in the temple, sitting among the great teachers of the day. And look at Luke's words. It's, it's wonderful. He's, he, it's very interesting. He highlights these words. He's listening to them. This is respectful, and it demonstrates his eagerness to know, to know and to understand these things uh, and to grow. He, he's also asking questions. He's a typical 12-year-old, right? Why? <laughs> Why? Like, you know, constantly, Why? You know, but he's asking questions. It's awesome. It's the, but here's the best part. I mean, you could read this and think he's asking questions for clarification or, or deeper understanding, but then we read this. This is amazing. Well, that's the word. They're amazed at his understanding, and then look at this, his answers. What? What do you mean his answers? It's there in the text. What are we to understand from this? Well, I would suggest this. He asks them questions, right? Um, they answer. He nods and contemplates it and certainly acts like he understands, right? Then he provides his own answers or additional answers to the question he had asked that they're amazed that he understands and he's asking more questions. But he's answering them. That's pretty interesting. Now, most of you have been around the rock a little while. You know that I've highlighted this word before, the little Greek word for amazed or amazing. It's not what we understand. And when we, when we, we hear that, we think, believe, you know, you know trusted, right? Uh, no, it, or agreed. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's, it's a lot like saying, wow, don't know how you made that budgie disappear or whatever, that bird disappear, that magic trick. I don't know if I believe it was real, but that was amazing, right? It's more in, in, in that line what they're saying. I mean, maybe they're thinking this. Oh, boy. This 12-year-old sure seems to think he knows a lot about the law and the Torah and, and the temple and, and about who the Messiah will be and what he will look like. And, uh, wow, he's pretty confident and bold, and he seems to think he knows more than we do. But here's what we'll do. He's just a 12-year-old boy. We'll just give him a little pat on the head tap him on the back and say, go home to mommy, right? And that'll be the end of that. He's no threat to us for now. This week in our life journals, as I was preparing for this, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm reading in, Mark, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, and it's interesting because uh, it, it's 19 to 20 years later that we read a very interesting story about Jesus, Right? At this point in his ministry, he's been preaching and teaching, and he's not only attracting very, very large crowds because of his miracles and his, his free sushi, his, you know, his you know, feeding 5,000 and so on and so forth, and, and, and yet, and his wise words and his great teachings, people love him, following thousands. He's a rock star. And the religious dudes are following because he's getting more attention than they are. And so he's starting to become a bit of a threat to them and to their authority. And then in Mark chapter 11, we read these words. This is interesting, this story. Watch this. In Mark 11, we read this. And as he was walking in the temple, Jesus, okay, 19 to 20 years later, he's back in the temple. And as he's walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? I want to suggest to you they're not happy with him. <laughs> like, they're not happy with him. What's he been doing? Preaching God. 
Redemption, reconciliation with your God, healing the sick. They're not happy with him. I love this. Jesus then says to them, look at this, I will ask you one question. Do you think he remembered when he was 12? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it doesn't say that he did, but, I, you know. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. Emphasis added. So he's asking a question again. And, and of course, they want to know the answer. And so it, it's interesting. I, I love this so much. So, so now look at this. Jesus is a threat. He is a threat. But again, why? What is he a threat to? Well, he's a threat to their false religion. He, he's, he's a threat to their status, what they've built themselves up to be, their false view of what it means to be righteous before God and man, meaning we have to make ourselves accepted and approved before God in order to get his acceptance and approval by doing, 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 doing. Missing all along what the sacrifice and the atonement of sins stood for. Grace. You need grace to be saved. And so it's a crazy story. I mean, listen, I, I think it's what a lot of people do with Jesus today. A lot of people do this. With, a lot of you, a lot of, uh, we've all done this at some point with Jesus. Sure, the little baby in the manger, right? That, that Jesus who comes to bring peace on earth and, 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 and a better life for me and mine, that Jesus I can live with. Bring him on. Love that Jesus. He's awesome. Right? It's, it's an amazing. That Jesus, I can, he's no threat to me or the life that I want to live. He's wonderful. He's peace. He's, he's love. But the Jesus who has authority over my life, my possessions, and my eternity, who does he think he is? Where did he get that authority? That's what they're thinking. Many people stumble over Jesus because of that. So most of you know how this story ends in Mark. They debate, they debate among themselves, right? The, the religious guys get together. You know, they, they got multiple, you know, degrees, right? And they get together, and they start to talk about this, and they're like, okay, so here's the problem. If we say from God, the baptism of John, then Jesus wins. Okay, we can't do that. And then if we say, you know, from man, well, then the people might revolt and actually want to hurt us, you know, because they, they revere John the Baptist. They, they think he was a prophet, and they, they really believe in his baptism of repentance. And so their answer to Jesus is, we don't know. <laughs> That's the wimpiest answer I've ever heard from a religious leader in my life. I mean, can you believe that? They, they don't know? Wow, it's a total cop-out. Well, I love Jesus' answer. He says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The rest of the gospel of Mark, all we read about is them looking to either imprison him or kill him. That's the kind of threat that Jesus has now become. Brings us to point number two. Jesus knows what he came to do. He knows what he came to do. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. 
This is every parent's response, right? Like, come on, this is every parent's response, right? You, you, you finally find your kids, and some of you might be saying, you get in the car right now before your, your father shows you what for, right? Like, you know, you're going to get such a spanking, you know? My mother was unbelievable. My dad was a construction worker, and he'd take the bus to work often, and it was just down the street. And I'd usually run down and meet my dad after, you know, work, you know, like at 4.35 o'clock, because I love my dad. And, and, but if I was a bad boy that day, my mother would go, you just wait till your father gets home. I didn't go to the bus stop that day. <laughs> like, and if I did, I took, you know, gifts. You know, like, because I was in big trouble. I mean, this is the response. This is, but this is also this. Look, this is one of the many, 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 many instances in the Bible, and I've said this before, where it, 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 it's clearly truth, right? Most sacred scripts and sacred scriptures of other religions don't record this kind of stuff. They don't where the people who are, you know, the mother of Jesus is responding this way. I mean, can you believe it? It's interesting. We see this way. There's no glossing over the authentic nature of the people in the life of Jesus Christ. Luke records Mary's words in her heart for what they really are. She's angry with him. She was fearful. She was scared. She was frightened that they'd lost him and astonished that Jesus would put them through this kind of pain. They were looking for him, look at this, for three days. There's another clue there, but we don't have time. Just park that because in several months when we get to the other three days in Scripture, we might want to come back to this to see this as an interesting picture. But Luke is using this simply as backstory. Luke is setting up for Jesus' response because that's the key to this whole story. It's the key right here in verse 49. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, some of your translations might say my father's business. That, in my opinion, uh, is a better translation. That's more accurate to the way they would have understood this in that day, in that day. I mean, you see, in that day, the sayings in my father's house or business were synonymous. They meant the exact same thing. Faithful Jewish men and women in those days never referred to God as Father. If you look in the Old Testament, God is referred to Father, I believe, only twice. It is Jesus in His life and ministry who reveals the Father and turns everything back to the Father, that I'm doing the Father's will. I have come to reconcile you with the Father, to take you home to be with the Father. That's Jesus who introduces God the Father in the Godhead. And so it's, it's important that we see that. They're neither accustomed to doing that, nor would they think it appropriate, actually. It is Jesus who does this. Now, this they would understand, however, about this language. They would understand this. As a firstborn son, especially, you were expected to not only be the lead helper in the family business, but to take it over in the event that your father could no longer do the work so that you could provide for your mother and your brothers and your sisters and your family. That was the expectation among, uh, on firstborn boys especially in those days. I love Jesus' words, misunderstood by many, but he says, why were you looking for me? I mean, it's not that he's criticizing their anxiety or the fact that they were looking for him, but it's really more about why were you looking for me anywhere else but here? Like, why were you looking at the playground or, or at the house we stayed at or the inn or, you know, the marketplace? Why were you looking all over Jerusalem instead of coming here first? Here first. He knows. This is the point in his life 
This is the point in his life when the mission, why he has come and what he is to do, becomes completely clear and a total reality for him. And I think that's what Luke and the Holy Spirit want us to see. Jesus knows this at 12 years of age. It's all starting to come together. He's seeing the picture. The rest of Luke's gospel is, all, is going to be all about Jesus pursuing the Father's business. It's going to be all about that. It's going to be what he does for his whole life and his whole ministry. And the primary purpose is to reconcile sinful men and women to God. That's the Father's business that he sent Jesus to do. Verses 50 to 51 then say, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. That's understandable. They didn't understand what he was saying. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. In the end, neither Mary or Joseph were exactly sure what was going on here. They weren't sure at all what had just happened. But we do read that Jesus is, in fact, obedient, completely obedient. He is submissive, the word is translated in the ESV there, to his parents as they head home. There's no apologies. He doesn't apologize, doesn't say, sorry, mom, sorry, dad, for that. He just just submits and he goes home with them. Secondly, we see Mary, for the third time in two chapters in Luke, saying or expressing that she's, or it's being said of her, that she's treasuring all these things up in her heart. And as I've said before, she's going to need it. She's going to need it as she sees him go from 12 to 30, but especially from 30 to 33 and a half when she sees what they're going to do to her son. She's going to need to remember these stories and these events to give her confidence about how this is all going to turn out. So finally, we end again with the verse that speaks to the next 18 years of Jesus' life. It's awesome. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God in man. So for the next 18 years, Jesus will continue to look at this, to be discipled, to be mentored by his stepfather, Joseph, in the family carpentry business for 18 years. He's the son of God. He knows it. He knows what he's come to do, but he's with his family. He sticks with his family. He's faithful. He knew his time would come to give himself fully to accomplishing his heavenly father's business, but for now, he would serve his family faithfully. And as most commentators believe, his dad, Joseph, probably died somewhere when he was in his early to mid-twenties, and so he did take on that mantle of being the provider and caring for his mother Mary and his brothers and sisters who had been born naturally after him. So, in conclusion, this is typically where, you know, most preachers, me, as one of those guys, likes to give you a little bit of an application, something to take away today, um, so that, you know, you can, you can do something, right? And uh, I know sometimes some of you, you know, like, oh, more to-dos, you know? And it's, we don't to-do to get saved, but because we're saved, we do. Well, today I really would like to leave you with this. Jesus knows. He knows. He knows who he is. He knows why he came and what he was to do. Friends, come on. Most of us, since the age of 12, and for some of us, even until we're older, right, we're still trying to figure out who we are and why we're here and how we can make a difference. Jesus knows. Jesus knows who you are. 
more intimately than you do. You can travel the world. You're not going to find yourself. You're going to find yourself in Him. He knows who you are. Secondly, I have to do this. (laughs) For you parents and disciple makers out there, how about we not expect so little from our young men anymore? You know the struggles that most young men have today with the internet and all kinds of other things. How about we no longer expect so little from them? How about we raise them to be real men from a really, really, really young age, right? Raise them in the Word, raise them in the church to be about their father's business, respecting their earthly father, learning from their earthly father, but being about their heavenly father's business. Teach them who they are, made in the image of God, and then listen Listen, then why don't we do this? Let's expect much more from them. They might just surprise you and me. Pray with me, would you?